Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 91. And I am super excited for this one to finally come out. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you may have heard me tell the story about doing an, a podcast interview with my friend and client, Sarah Brandt, and how when I went to download the files for that uh, interview, I only had half of Sarah's audio. So I had all of mine, half of Sarah's. Very devastating, very upsetting, has never happened to me before. But luckily, Sarah rolled with the punches and we set up another time to do another interview. And it's funny, spoiler alert, at the end of this interview, we joke about the fact that we might have to do a third one if we lose half of the audio for this current one. But we did not. I have all of the audio. It is an amazing conversation. And I wanted to share it with you guys because Sarah demonstrates that anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And I'm going to stop talking because if I don't, then I'm going to give it all away. So without further ado, here is my conversation with ultra runner Sarah Brandt. Okay, I think we should just start by you sort of telling everybody who you are, what you do, how I, you found me, like just sort of give people the background because I think, you know, everybody comes to this place like listening to the podcast a little bit differently. So it's, I think it's fun to sort of hear how everybody found their way to this place. Yeah. So I'm so psyched to be here on the podcast. This is so exciting. So I found the podcast sort of from two directions, which I think is kind of funny because I was at Ghost Train 20, 2019, 20, nope, <laughs> 2018, 2019 to crew for my husband who was running in those races. And in the 2019 race, I was walking around, you know, while he was out on the course and I saw this really cool um, setup with the tent and the car and the, the um, roof tent and all this. And I thought, Oh, that is so cool. And my sister had the same car and I asked the person if I could take a picture so I could send it to my sister to say, Hey, this looks like something you need to have. And um, then after being in the ghost train environment and just thinking it was this awesome vibe and saying, I gotta, I gotta, I got to do this. And I was dealing with a pretty severe case of plantar fasciitis at the time. So I said, I got to figure out how to get, get myself better so I can take a stab at this whole ultra world. So that's when I started searching for podcasts related to running ultras. And that's how I came upon the podcast. And I was a few episodes in when you were doing your race report about ultra, uh, about ghost train. Yeah. And you talked about your setup. And I said, wait a minute, that, that sounds really familiar. And then I <laughs> somehow sleuthed it out that that was the same, that it was your, I think it was maybe your mother-in-law that I, that I oh, spoke probably. to with your mom. Uh, and I had, who very was lovely and let me take a picture of your car, which I didn't know was yours at the time. Um, but that's how I came to find the podcast and then have since, you know, gone through the Run Your First 50K program. And, uh, but that's how I, that's how I found you. Yeah, that's so funny. It's like, I can remember you reaching out at one point, or maybe it was like I posted a time-lapse video or something because of us like packing the car. And then oh, I feel yeah, like maybe yeah. you commented on it and was like, I recognize that car. <laughs> <laughs> My sister and I hike a lot and I was like, you know, you know, camp tents on our backs and all that. And I was teasing her like, 
this would be better mm-hmm. if we had this situation going on. But uh, yeah, that looks great. It is It is quite the setup. It's so funny because actually my husband's out right now, just left to go to a bike race with it and like all packed up and ready to go. And it's just super convenient because in the morning when he gets up to go race his bike, all he has to do is just like pull the pins, like collapse the thing, yeah. close it, like, and just shove everything in the car. And he's like done and ready to go. He does not have to worry about, you know, drying out the tent and like, yep, you know, yep. packing it into little bags and finding all the stakes. Like it just goes right in the thing and you close it up. So <laughs> that's wild. That is next level someday. <laughs> yeah. So when you crewed for your husband at yeah. Ghost Train, you had not yet run an ultra, correct? Correct. I had never run an ultra. I came from a road running background, like a lot of folks who find their way here. So I had done a handful of marathons and actually had done quite a few triathlons back in college and grad school and loved that world for a long time. And and it was great. Definitely plagued by injuries here and there and had was coming off of uh, my husband. And I had a daughter and I had gone back to school and that, you know, it was sort of like a transition time of, of you know, I, I like all of this, but I, f- I feel like I'm ready to do something a little bit different. And I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be. And then with the plantar fasciitis being so severe that I almost couldn't walk. Uh, you know, I knew I had to find a, a new way to come at this world. But I, when I was at Ghost Train, you know, my husband was the one who was like, I think I'm going to do an ultra. And I was like, I think that's bananas. <laughs> um, it sounds crazy when you tell people about it. It really does, which is probably why you love it. <laughs> um, so I went really with no understanding of the difference in the tone and the vibe of the race and the, you know, just sort of mindset that people have at an ultra versus Mm -hmm. a road race, you know, and I think my husband as well kind of came into it with like, you know, the watch and the gear and the pace and all this stuff. And it was um, really eye opening to be in that environment and just see how (laughs) relax, not relax, you know, people are nervous and excited and all this, but it's just such a different experience to be there. And, um, not that road running folks aren't supportive of one another and all that, but it just feels a little bit different when you're out, you know, on the trails and at an ultra, it just feels different. So that was, you know, immediately apparent just being in that environment. Oh, this is, this might be a fit for me. Yeah. It's funny. We were just having a conversation the other day, um, in the current run your first 50 K group about one of the participants is a diehard road runner. And she has signed up to do her first ultra on the trails and her, she's having some apprehension about it because even though she's excited and she wants to do it, she's worried that she'll lose her road running friends because she will, I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't, I guess I can't like adequately describe it, but she's just worried that if she does this trail race this ultra that she won't see her for her road running friends as often and then she may not be accepted by them anymore because she's done this other thing so we were trying to just sort of talk her through how the trail running community is a little bit different not you know better or worse just like it's a different vibe and how you know when she shows up there uh, people will just be super excited to see her and they'll be happy that you know it's her first race and all those things so I guess maybe I'm curious to hear, like, maybe you could sort of help me help her. <laughs> like, what's your take on that? Like, we talked about how the the trail running vibe was a little bit differently. Is there is there something else, like maybe an experience you had that you could sort of paint for us? Um, I mean, I guess my first thought is if she goes and or anyone goes and, and starts getting into the trail scene and ultra scene, and then you go back to road running and they're 
not nice about it. Well, maybe they're not your friends in the first place. But, you know, I, I, uh, my husband has done two ultras at this point and then has since gotten back to doing some road racing and he's doing more, you know, traditional track workouts and things like that. And everybody's nice to him. Nobody, you know, people think it's cool. He ran an ultra that, you know, it hasn't really been an issue at all. He's made some great new road running friends recently. So it's not something that I've seen. Um, I do most of my running solo. So I haven't um, really put myself out there really in either community a ton. Um, but I do know that when I did my ultra, I was by myself and everyone was so welcoming and I didn't know a soul. And so I just felt welcomed and, and like, I didn't feel like I needed to earn a place there. I felt like just signing mm -hmm. up was enough for me to mm -hmm. be welcomed there. Yeah. And one of the other, um, suggestions that we gave to her was, you know, go and go and volunteer mm -hmm. at a race first at an ultra first, because that will sort of give you an, an idea of what it's all about. And I would suggest this to anybody who's even sort of contemplating doing an ultra, even if you haven't signed up yet, you're on the fence, you know, it's one of those seeds in the back of your brain, just this like seed of an idea and you're not really sure about it, I would highly recommend you go and, and volunteer because it will give you that insider's point of view on how it, how things run, how the, who the people are, the vibe, yeah. the, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. So, um, okay. So your husband did these ultras, yep. you crewed for him. Yep. And then at what point did you say, okay, I'm in, I'm going to do this. Once I really committed to rehabbing the plantar fasciitis and I went to PT and I went to, you know, all the, all the things I've told you this before, but I was so severe yeah. that I was at the point where if a strange man had offered me a magic potion on the side of the road, I for sure would have taken it. I was in, I was in pretty dire straits, but I yeah. think for me, just the really, really committing to the PT was what did it in the mm -hmm. end and prioritizing, you know, that list of exercises they give you that. I love it. It's just brutal. It's just mind numbing to like, you know, the mm -hmm. little, the toe lifts and the doming of your toe. Like, it's just kind of, it's, it's hard to be consistent with it if it's not your priority. But I just said, this is mm -hmm. my workout. You know, if I, because mm -hmm. I luckily was able to uh, bike at the time. So I was still able to do some cardio, but I said, that is second. I have to do this PT stuff and that is my priority. And if that's what only gets done on a day, then that's that's fine. So I really prioritized that and started to, you know, be able to put in a little bit of miles. And one of the things that my PT recommended was uh, staying off the road. So even just rail trail or soft surface. So that was obviously something that fit in really naturally with an ultra or a trail ultra. So when I had done ghost train for him, or excuse me, when I had crude ghost train for him, I was like, well, I'm glad you had a good time because next year's mine. So <laughs> get ready to crew for me. Um, so I had that, that carrot dangling that I, I wanted to do that race, you know, a year out. So I really committed to the PT and saw that through to the point where I was able to reach out to you and say, help, what do I do? Um, yeah. and it was right before you were launching your first on your first 50 K and it was really funny the way it aligned. Cause you were like, this, this seems like it would be something good for you. And it was like this magical program that was perfect. And it was, you're like, well, it's starting in two weeks or whatever it was. So it was great. <laughs> the stars aligned. Yeah, it really right? did. It really did. <laughs> yeah. So you were part of the first cohort, like back in January, 
January, February, yeah. I think. And so during that time you had set the goal, like you had the long-term goal of doing ghost train this year, which, uh, 2022, which as of like right now, when we're recording it, you're about 60 days out, right? I you just am. said that yes. you've got like the 60 day email <laughs> from the race crew being like, here we go. Yes. Um, <laughs> but along the way you had set some other goals too, right? Because we sort of, at the beginning of the program, we talk about, okay, whatever your goal is, right? We have to sort of set these mile markers, so to speak, along the way. So you know how to navigate from point A to point B, because oftentimes from point A to point B is like this vast long period of time. And if you don't have waypoints or mile markers to sort of guide you, I see a lot of people, and I used to do this too, like I would get really lost somewhere around week 12, Mm -hmm. like maybe like maybe eight to 12, depending on how long your training plan is. And you just sort of you kind of, I sort of describe it just like losing the faith. You're just sort of like, I don't know. And you just, then you start to wing it. And that's personally Mm -hmm. when I think shit goes sideways, Mm -hmm. because when you wing it, you just have lost all direction. You you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. And then it's like, you're just, everything's up in the air. So you had ghost train as your like big, scary 2022 goal, Mm -hmm. but what did you set a lot, set up for yourself along the way? I think that was one of the reasons I reached out to you was what do I need Mm -hmm. to set up along the way to, I mean, signing up for a 100 mile race feels like a relatively large step for your first ultra. Yeah. What is it? A 50 K is it a 50 miler? Is it something else to set myself up to know at all what I'm doing for this Mm hundred miler? So that was when you mentioned the program and, you know, 50 K seems like a really good entry point to, uh, you know, dip your toes in and really feel like, this is, this is the thing I want to do and work out the gear and work out the, all the things. So, so that became the goal then was the 50 K distance, which felt scary, but not so scary because I had done uh, several road marathons. Uh, So it felt attainable Mm -hmm. and and doable in that way. So you went through the program and then your race was supposed to be June 18th, right? I remember it was like right around the same time I was doing Tahoe. You were, you were supposed to be doing your, your, your 50 K then, but then spoiler alert, something happened. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us, tell us what happened. (laughs) So we, we had a good run uh, avoiding COVID for, for two plus years, but, um, my race was supposed to be a Saturday, the Friday, not the day before, but eight days before my daughter who's 12 tested positive. She, she came home and tested positive and, Oh, we, you know, so bummed. And she was, she was okay physically. So, so, you know, that was the biggest priority. And then we kind of thought, well, this is, this is likely the way that it's going to go for my husband and I. So we kind of had a few days to, to prepare mentally for that. And then Monday I went to work and I was like, I can't believe I haven't tested positive for COVID. And then I just really hit the fan and I said, I just don't feel well. And then I had a 103 fever. So I said, okay, that's probably not great. So I, I was positive and uh, my husband never was amazingly. He, he avoided it, but um, I didn't have any respiratory stuff that I know a lot of folks dealt with hmm. um, when they, when they are, when they have COVID and I was tired and I was very dizzy and it lasted for quite a few days. I mean, even with, even if I had felt fine, I wouldn't have been able to do the race just by the number of days and the quarantine and yep. all of that. Um, and I, I almost was relieved to have at least minor symptoms because it made it easier to just mentally like give up the game. Like this mm-hmm. is not happening for you right now. There's, you know, 
I think if I had felt fine but couldn't do it, I would have just been pissed. But yeah. because I felt lousy, it was like, there's this is there's no way this is something that you can yeah. pull off. So yeah. give it up and uh, you know get yourself better and figure out what was next. And I wasn't sure at that point if it was going to be just a different 50k or if I would just do the 50k distance on my own. So I started once I felt well enough. I you know on ultra sign up and looking around <laughs> and. A lot of things are full at that point. So it's, yep. you're a little bit out of luck there, but there also wasn't a 50 K that had the same features as the 50 K I had signed up for. So mm. there were a few that were, you know, mountain races or things, which was not at all what I had uh, planned on. So I, I didn't want to completely switch up things that way. Cause I didn't think that would be wise either. So I kind of lost faith that I was going to find something within this same you know, training cycle that was going to fit. But then the race that I had originally signed up for was put on by Berks, which is the mm-hmm. Berkshire ultra running community for service. I think I had that. That's out in Western mass. Mm-hmm. And they sent out because I was on their listserv, they sent out an email. We still have spots available at Notchview, which was a, not a distance based race, but a time-based race. So they mm-hmm. have six, 12, 24, 48, and 72 hour options. So I was like, that, that's not really what I had trained for, but I Mm -hmm. could sign up for a 12 hour race and I could do 50 K within 12 hours and then have a little, a little cushion on the side and just decided, well, it's, it's not exactly what I trained for, but it's within, you know, the features of the course are the same. I'm not putting myself in a totally different environment or Mm -hmm. running on a, on, on really high elevation when I didn't train that way I'm just gonna go for it so signed up and had like one week (laughs) between sign up and and race (laughs) not really the way that you're supposed to do these things no you're not but I think you know when you and I have talked about this you know back and forth via email or text before but like you sort of had this build up. And yeah, you had a little bit of quote unquote downtime, not training because of COVID and recovering from COVID, but you sort of carried forwards a lot of that fitness that you were able to, I'm going to say recycle, but not really, it's not really recycling, right? You just sort of, like I said, carried it forward into this race. Um, but so tell everybody what your original race, what the setup was supposed to be in terms of laps or, you know, whatever, and then tell everybody what the the race that you did, the, the 12 hour race, how those two things were different. Yes. So the original race was the vegan power 50 K that was the one in June. And that's at the Pittsfield state forest out in uh, Western mass as well. And I actually had gone out to do a race simulation run on the course mm-hmm. just by myself. And it was supposed to be six laps of ballpark five miles little over five miles. And so I had done, done a number of loops out there and it was a lot more technical than I had anticipated based on the the course description. Mm. I was a little overwhelmed having coming off of that race simulation. Like there was a lot more climbing here than I thought there was going to be. And also Mm. very twisty, turny, a lot of roots, a lot of rocks, um, fun, beautiful, lovely, but like most of my training was on more of rail trail style. So I was like, okay, this is, you know, I was glad to have had the race simulation. So I just mentally knew what was coming. Um, but the course was different than I anticipated based on the description. And then the race I ended up doing was the notch view. I put, put in the 12 for the 12 hour division. 
and that is a time-based race. So it's actually a 1.9 mile loop that you just run as many times as you can during that uh, period, you know, whatever division you're in. So for me, I just did it for 12 hours. And when the 12 hours is up, you're done. So it's just whoever can run the farthest distance or, you know, whatever you set for your goal for yourself. And at first I read that and I was like, that sounds terrible. That sounds awful. (laughs) Just, it's like, it's like a track workout gone wrong. Like it just sounds like torturous, but I read about the course and it's on a cross country ski uh, area. And so it's, you know, all trail and it's, it's a little bit of a wider trail and not particularly technical and, um, very small and just kind of low key. So I just thought either I'm doing this by myself on my own, or I'm going to try this other thing. That's a little different, but you know, Hey, the pictures look pretty and I'll run till I hit 50 K and then see what happens. Um, so the courses were, were different in that way, but, um, not just in their like technical specs, but in, (laughs) you know, doing five loops versus as many loops as you can, um, pretty different as well mentally. Yeah. And I think like, that's, that's an interesting point to bring up because I know when I first started doing ultras, I wasn't necessarily aware and maybe it wasn't really a thing back then, but, uh, of the time-based races versus distance-based races. So I sort of like to highlight that because they're a good option, especially in, you know, as you're demonstrating in this case where you, you missed out on your original race, but you were able to jump in on this one and sort of DIY within the context of this bigger race, because you really were going to do your own race, you know, like a self-supported, like not as part of a bigger race in order to hit your 50 K until you found this one, which I think is, you know, either way options are great. I know many people who for, especially during, you know, pandemic time made their own 50 K did it on their own. Mm -hmm. And because there weren't any real races happening or they just didn't feel comfortable going anywhere. So I know a lot of people that did that, but these time-based races are, are really cool too. I also have to second the idea that running around a 1.9 mile looped course would probably would not be my (laughs) cup of tea, shall we say, but I actually, to sort of reference a similar, the the same conversation, but a different aspect of it. I told your story to the current run your first 50 K group about why you actually enjoyed this race course. And, and once you told it to me on take one of this podcast, as everybody's, Mm -hmm. as everybody may or may not know, we, we originally recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And the short version of the story is when I went to go edit it, I only had half of Sarah's audio. So this is officially take two of this conversation. So some stuff has happened in between last conversation and this one, but I told that story, um, and I've had time to think about it. And I, I am coming around to your way of thinking in terms of um, how the course is laid out and why maybe doing this looped course thing is a good idea. Uh, I can't say that I'm going to be signing up for one anytime soon, but I've, I'm sort of, you know, I'm coming around because I've before I've seen other races and been like, oh, just no, just immediately no. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my knee jerk reaction was, oh, that's, why would anyone, it's like an extra layer of torture just on top of, of but I, I, it ended up working really well for me. And the reason was, I think, obviously you get to know that course really, really well. You know, every little tiny hill, every hill that feels bigger than every time right. you do it and um, every up and every down and the shady parts and the not so shady parts. And um, it really became 
almost robotic and systematic for me that I knew that little loop so well that the way it worked was, uh, you know, you'd come into the starting area, which was also where they had the aid station set up. So you could buzz through, you could grab a quick, whatever you needed. And then it was a, a minor uphill for a little ways, and then a little bit more of a moderate uphill. And then it flattened out. And there was another one on the other side that was a more moderate uphill um, with some, some gentle rollers in there. So I generally would come in, hit the aid station. If I was eating, I would walk that minor and then the moderate uphill. If I wasn't, I would run the first part and then walk the second part. I just, it ended up like <laughs> very mathematical mm-hmm. to me that if based on, based on what I'm doing with, with food and nutrition, I'm either going to, you know, uh, walk both of those sections or run and then walk. And then I knew exactly where I was going to start moving again. And then same thing on the other side, there was a section that was a little steeper uphill. So I'd walk that section and then come back in and just do it again and just do it again. So it took some of that mental work out of, you know, should I be walking Mm -hmm. here? Should I, should I, you know, what's next? Do I need to save a little for something coming up? I, I knew what was coming up. So I was able to just sort of put it in gear and just cruise on, kind of on autopilot, just like, this is where you walk, this is where you run and, and just kind of keep doing it over and over again. Yeah. And I think that's a valid, uh, that's, that's a valid point because one of the things we talked about in the run your first 50 K program was your race strategy. And you sort of alluded to doing a race simulation, which is something we talk about where we basically, I, I encourage you guys to go out and if you can get to the place where you're going to race, do some time there. So you're well-equipped, you're well aware of what's going on. If you can't do that, then trying to go someplace similar. Um, but also planning how you're going to execute your race strategy from when the the time the gun goes off until the time you cross the finish line. And one of those little mini components is when do I eat and when do I drink? And even if you look at the course profile ahead of time and you can logically see when it goes up and when it goes down and know the mile markers that it goes with, it doesn't necessarily equate to a very clear plan on, okay, I'm going to eat here and here and here and drink here and so on and so forth. So you have to sort of, your brain is always working, or at least mine is when I do point to point or these longer looped races. Okay. Is this the part where I'm going to walk and and drink and eat? And the flip side of that is your race course. That's shorter that you could probably in your mind right now, just run and know Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. nook and cranny of it. Right. And then you have a calculated time to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of, like stopping at the aid station, walking, fixing a shoe, drinking, eating, and you don't have to worry, oh, well, is this the right time? Or would two miles up the road or the trail be the better time because of, you know, X, Y, or Z. So for that purpose, I think, you know, a, a shorter looped lap like that can be really advantageous. Yeah. And I mean, two miles up the loop and you're already on your next loop. <laughs> right. And you're already back at your own. So, um, yep. you, you, uh, mentioned this, but you, you crewed yourself. So yeah. I guess, um, I'd be interested to, to hear sort of your short blurb on how you crewed yourself, because I think that for some people could be overwhelming. I, I, sometimes I get a lot of questions about, well, you know, what pack to wear, what food, like, how do yeah. I, you know, what should I expect from the aid stations? And, and the idea of crewing yourself on your very first race is probably daunting to some people. So mm-hmm. if you could give paint a picture for how you decided you were going to do that for yourself, I think that would be helpful. 
it wasn't really a decision other than the fact that my family had other things to do the seven days before the race that I signed up for it. So, you know, my husband and my daughter for sure would have been there um, if, if schedules had allowed, but they just, we had other things going on. So it was kind of like either I go by by myself or, or I don't go. So I decided to go by myself. I went out the day before and just tent camped at the site, which was super fun. There was all these people around because the folks who were doing the 72 hour race were already out on the course Um, definitely got significantly less sleep than I anticipated that night before, just because people are coming and going, they're going into their tent, they're coming back to get their stuff. I don't know that I would have slept well anyway, but um, Mm -hmm. I had brought earplugs, which was key. So put that on your list if you're going out the night before a race and you want a little extra quiet. But um, I had the tent site was a little farther away from the actual starting area. So I had all my stuff there, but then I had like my, my go bag and I had a um, chair and a few other things that I brought and just plopped right near the start. And there's just like people just piled stuff everywhere. You know, everybody's just got their stuff and it was, it was fine to find a little spot. And so I had my uh, sort of my plan B stuff, you know, my extra set of clothes and my extra stuff, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different food and, and, hydration things sort of at that little drop site right by the course. I had other things I could have gone back to my tent. It wasn't that far, but um, mm-hmm. that was like the, I, I, unless something goes really awry, I'm not going to need this stuff pile. <laughs> and mm-hmm. my, my, I, there's a good chance I could need it pile. So I had my own little setup there. And then it was pretty close to where the races aid station was as well. And the aid station had pretty much all your standard ultra aid station food and drink. And, you know, they, they had like, um, uh, I don't know if they were like those George Foreman grills or waffle, they had like microwaves. I mean, this was like, wow, this is really something. Um, but some of these folks are out there for 72 hours. So they, you know, it's an, it's another level of, of, uh, nutrition needs. Um, you had said to us in the run your first 50 K program about, and, and in your podcast, just you're not new, doing new things on race day. You're eating the things that you've raced with, that you've you know trained with. You're wearing the yep. things that you've trained with. So I felt like I had a little Megan on my shoulder, like you didn't have Doritos before. Don't start. Yeah, I didn't eat any Doritos, but I stuck to my <laughs> plan and I ate. I the only things I took from the aid station were things that like I ate their fig newtons instead of my own fig newtons or whatever it was, except yeah. for two things. And I did feel you on my shoulder saying. Sarah, you never, and it was uh, a couple slices of watermelon and mm-hmm. an ice pop, which was probably the best thing I'd ever had in my entire life. It was delicious oh, for sure. and worth it. <laughs> and I didn't well, feel like mostly, those were so crazy that yeah, it was going to yeah. cause problems. But, uh, That's what I, you know, it's mostly just, I, I you know, watermelon and ice pop, they're <laughs> so benign, you know yeah. what I mean? Unless you have some sort of like severe allergic reaction or, you know, some something wild, I can't see those being things that are going to cause you any distress. But it's when I hear people saying like, oh, I rolled into the aid station and I don't normally eat hamburgers, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. it was like, I'm like, okay, stop yeah. right there. <laughs> you yeah. don't, no, I, if you don't yeah. normally eat hamburgers and then you've just run X number of miles and you, um, you, then you just decide like now is a good time to eat a hamburger. Like <laughs> I'm going to probably go out on a yeah. limb and say, not a good idea. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that yes, I'm talking yes. about. You know, the random, the random things that aid stations might try and tempt you with that 
probably weren't part of your original plan and probably shouldn't be part of your plan now. <laughs> yeah. So I stuck to my plan pretty well, you know, except for a watermelon and an ice pop, but I thought those would be okay. So. <laughs> yeah. You're cleared. <laughs> so, um, so I guess let's sort of fast forward and talk a little bit about the, the actual race you, you got up that morning, yeah. gun goes off, you know, you, ha- what was the math? How many laps did you need to do in order to hit 50 K? So I guess it was 16 or 17. Um, and I, and here I am even now with most of my faculties with the 1.9 mile loop makes it really tricky to do the math. And when you're, you know, it's six, eight, 10 hours into the race and you're saying mm-hmm. you know, X times 1.9, well, that's times right. two minus, I mean, it yep. just forget it. There's no way yep. the mental math was just gone. And I did have my GPS watch. So I knew, you know, pretty close to ballpark where I was. Mm-hmm. They did have a, um, uh, like a live tracking. So you could see how many, um, you know, how many miles you'd run. So for each lap, I actually never looked at that live tracking. I just kind of was like, I, I know how many laps I've done. I don't need to, I don't need to check in there. Um, Mm -hmm. so I kind of knew, uh, ballpark, like the the big milestone feelings. Like I, you know, 13 always feels kind of big and 20 feels big and 26.2 feels kind of big. And I knew once I hit that marathon distance, I said, well, now every step I take is the longest I've ever run. So that was exciting because it felt like, well, no matter, no matter what ends up the rest of this day, I will feel good about the outcome. And I was feeling, I was feeling good. And I, once I really got into that routine of just, you know, the course, you're just going to keep doing it until you're not doing it anymore. I just, that really worked for me, sort of that robotic, just keep churning it out. So between the 26, you know, the marathon distance and the 50 K that was a, you know, that's just a, about three laps or so of, of this course. So it was, you know, you say, Oh, I'm just going to run three little laps. It feels like it's right there. So it, it kind of happened. It feels like it kind of happens quickly. You're just going and going and going. So once I hit that 50 K distance, that was when I kind of was like, all right, what's, what's going to be next? Do I want to keep going? Am I, have I had enough? But at that point I felt, I felt good. The the weather was favorable. I wasn't crazy hot. Um, so I said, Oh, this let's keep going. See, see what happens. So, so how long did it take you to do your 50 K? You would think I would know that off the top of my head, (laughs) but I don't, I would have to go back and look. I think it was, I don't know. Six hours. and It was like maybe six and a half. I feel like maybe you said it, you told me last time. I may have to go back to the original recording and see if we got that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can look and figure it out. But uh, just for yeah. context, because yeah. I think it's interesting because what you just sort of intimated was you didn't stop at 50K. You decided because you felt so good that you were just going to sort of roll the dice and keep going, right? Yeah, just keep going. I felt good. Just just do, you know, one, one more lap is just a 1.9 miles. So I'll just keep mm-hmm. going and see. And I, obviously in my head, I had, I knew how many laps it was going to be. Well, if I want to hit 50 K, uh, or yeah, 45 was kind of a big one in my head. Cause that's the longest my husband had ever run. So, oh, I just <laughs> feel like 46, but I was hoping <laughs> to hit that. And then of course that 50 was kind of hanging right there. So I said, well, we'll see that it, I knew it was doable, but I wasn't, you know, never done it before. So who knows, who knows how things are going to shake out on race day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was, it was, the carrot was there for sure um, before they got run off, but I 
just continued to feel good. And we talked about this in uh, take one of this, but <laughs> I, I had some high highs and some, I had some highs and I had some lows. I didn't mm-hmm. have low lows and I didn't have high highs. So I, I felt pretty consistent mentally throughout the race, uh, you know, up and down. Yes, but I didn't have massive highs and lows. So I think that worked really well for me on that day. I think that that will be a new challenge for ghost train this year because I didn't mm-hmm. really get the practice on, you know, riding those up and down. So I think that, you know, wasn't necessarily the best practice for mindset because I had a great day, which is like, I don't want to say it was too bad. I had a great day, but you know, I know that that'll be a new challenge. Uh, so what was weeks. a, can you give an example of one of the lows that maybe you felt? I think it kind of was, I was just a little bored. I just kind of was like, I'm, I just don't really want to be doing this anymore. And midday, it wasn't crazy hot, but it was, it was warm, you know, and there was one section of the race where you were more exposed. So because I knew it was coming every time and you'd, it mm-hmm. was like a, like a cornfield or a wheat field or something. And it was literally like stepping into an oven. It felt like, boom, you'd, you'd come from the shade of the woods and then boom, you'd hit the spot. So, you'd know, it was coming. So that was hard mentally just because it's like, I can see it, here it comes. And then you'd step into this, this heated, yep. and it wasn't that long, but just knowing you were keep coming to it. And yep. because it's a short loop and because there were so many different timed distances going on at the same time, you're never by yourself. You're, mm-hmm. there's people around, a lot of people running, a lot of people walking. So there's never time to like be lonely or feel like you're by yourself. And of course, everyone is so supportive and cheering and um, it was kind of funny because when those of us in the 12 hour division started, the folks in the 72 had already been going for, I'm not sure how long, but pretty long. And so they see us coming by and oh, look at those fresh legs at you. And then at, towards the end of our 12 hour race, I think those in the 24 were about to start or something. And then, oh, now we're saying, oh, look at those fresh legs. So it was sort yeah. of this cycle because you didn't really know what the, the bibs didn't indicate what mm. race folks were doing. So everybody's just out there doing their darn best. And it was, um, it was great because you were never, I think some of that mental highs and lows was uh, sort of evened out by the fact that you're just surrounded pretty much mm-hmm. constantly by happy, encouraging, supportive people. So that made yeah. a big difference. Yeah. The boredom piece is definitely a huge one. We talked about that. I know I keep referencing this, this most recent call we had, but we talked, we talked about a lot. It it was a mindset focused call. So a lot of what we're talking about now really comes into play. And I think it was one of, uh, I think it was Alicia who said her biggest fear is the boredom and, you know, not being able to escape the boredom and, and what do you do? And so we talked about a couple of different strategies. Um, but I, I do think, you know, that your point about never being alone is also, a really good one that, you know, one of the things we actually did talk about, uh, with Alicia was make some friends, you know, like if you can buddy up with some people, make some friends, run with people for a little bit of time, you're going to obviously leapfrog people. Um, especially if it's a looped race, whether it's long or short, you'll, um, you'll, people will leapfrog even in point to point races too. You, you just, you, you do this like leapfrogging game and, you know, you make friends and you run with them for a little bit and then you, they, you know, you, you go your separate ways for whatever reason, somebody goes faster, somebody makes a pit stop. It just is yep. sort of the nature of the beast. And then you, maybe you reconnect with them later. You ask them how their day is going. And so, I mean, this is, this is pretty common. Um, I I've done it a lot over the years too, and it's kind of fun and you get to keep your brain engaged and you get to meet a lot of people and make some new friends. I mean, I have friends that I've made 
from some of my original trail trail races at the very beginning that I still talk to now, mostly like social media and, or whenever I see them at a, at another race. And, you know, so it's, it's a fun way to distract yourself, keep from getting bored, make new friends, sort of ticks all the boxes. (laughs) You know, I, I mentioned, I generally run by myself, not, Mm -hmm. not because I'm antisocial, but just schedule wise, it's just when I can fit it in. So it tends to be, and I, I say usually always I run by myself yeah. just because of schedule wise. I just, that's how it ends up. Um, so I usually will have a podcast or a book or sometimes mm-hmm. music. I find that I run too fast when I listen to music. So sometimes yep. I try to stay away from that. Um, and I didn't put my headphones in at the beginning of this race. I said, I want to just, you know, I certainly want to go out and see how this all feels. So I didn't even carry my phone at all. But one big difference between my training and the race was that I didn't have to wear a pack. I, some people did. I could have, if I wanted to certainly, but I mm-hmm. had a flask in my uh, pocket of my pants and another little pocket for a gel or whatever, but you know, I didn't need to carry a bladder or, or a, a vest. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have an easy place to put my phones. So I'm just not going to carry it. And then at the 50 K point, once I finished that, I grabbed it and said, I think I'm going to listen to something for a little while. And I, mm-hmm put in a podcast and I wasn't even halfway through one loop and I had taken it out. I said, I can't yeah. do this. It's, it was taking me out of the experience of the race. Yeah. And while I very often will do that when I'm just training, I felt like I was missing the fun of the environment by having my mm-hmm. headphones in. So I just took them out and dropped them off on that next loop and said, I, I don't want, I actually don't want these and did the whole thing with no, no music or, or podcast or anything. It was just, you know, I had those moments of boredom, but they passed and, you know, somebody fun comes by and, and, you know, it, it, it passed. <laughs> yeah. That was the other thing we touched on a couple different times. Um, it was this, this idea that whatever is happening right now, it's not going to last forever. We, we tend to sort of get into this mind frame of, uh, you know, it, especially when things aren't, aren't going the way we want them to like, Oh, this sucks. And, and then it's like, um, it's going to suck forever. Like it's not going to be good. It's never going to be better. It's just going to keep getting worse. And so just sort of keeping in mind that it's not always going to get worse. Like your discomfort, your boredom, like whatever you're going through, it's going to pass. You just have to sort of ride it out. Um, so I'm happy that you, that you said that because I think it's hard when you're in it to see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel, but it is going to (laughs) change. Right. And if you can sort of just ride it out a little bit, you will get to the other side and then you'll be presented with something new. Right. And it doesn't always get worse. That's the other thing I (laughs) I want to just sort of put out there. (laughs) All right. So you got through your 50 K you, you kept going and you just kept feeling good. Was there a tipping point where you thought maybe you were not going to hit 50 and you were just going to sort of stop in the middle there or was it always a given it definitely wasn't always a given I it was uncharted territory I didn't know if I was going to all of a sudden have my stomach go sideways or you know something not feel well physically and and I was cautiously and strategically hopeful but I I wasn't entirely sure the other thing was you get credit for the miles for the laps that you complete so as you're getting toward the end of your race, if you do half of a lap to hit whatever mileage you want, that doesn't count. It's every completed mm-hmm. lap. So I knew it actually wasn't 50. It was if I was going to hit 50, it was going to be 51.3 because that mm-hmm. was the lap at which you would cross over that 50. So it was a little over. So I I knew that my Garmin was close, but you know, you're a little bit off from yeah. 
the, the course. So if you're doing that, you know, 25 or 30 times, it's like, am, am I off enough that I actually am one lap shy of 50 or am I one lap over 50? I wasn't, right. I actually on my last lap, wasn't sure if I had already hit 50 or if I was going to miss it by one lap. I, I wasn't sure. But either way, at that point, I was like, well, this has been a good day and I'm, I'm calling it a win either way. But yeah, I knew I was, I knew I was close. <laughs> So you crossed the finish line. Like how much did you run right up until the end of time? Your end, the end of your 12 hours? Not quite. It was like uh, 11, I think it was like 1142, uh, 1143, somewhere in there. So I had a little bit of time left. And I think if I had had maybe, if I had had 21 or 22 minutes, mm-hmm. I might've been tempted to go out and just rip one more out. But I, yeah. at that point I was like, I think we're all done here. And uh, <laughs> it was fun. Cause I, I ended up running with a, a, the f- a few people for the last couple of laps who were also finishing up their 12 and we, we all kind of came in together. So that was kind of nice to have that, that group coming in um, or a few folks coming in together at the same time. So that was cool. So on, on this particular day, you, you set out to run your first 50 K, which you did. And then you felt good enough to just sort of roll the dice and keep going. And then you went, you kept moving for 11 plus hours to the point where, you know, you, you basically completed 50 miles. So then you, you roll through the finish line and then you discover something else that you accomplished. (laughs) It was in addition was, to these other two milestones. Yeah, it was so cool. So it was during the last lap. The woman I was running with was, uh, she said, you know, oh, which which race are you in? Because some people are, you know, everybody's doing different mm-hmm. distances or different times. I said, I'm the twelve, so I'm I'm at the hitting the end here. And she said, oh, me too. And I told her my name, and she said, oh, aren't you in? Aren't you in first place? I was like, I don't. I, that doesn't sound likely. I don't really know if that's <laughs> something that's going to be, no, I don't know. But, um, she was right. And she was, I think in, um, I think she was in second. So she, she was right there too. And so she, she had a good day and, uh, yeah. So I, I finished up and was the uh, first place female in the 12 hour division, which has definitely never happened before in my life. It's not <laughs> a, not a common experience for me. So it was definitely something that was unexpected and, what a cool way to run my first ultra. I mean, that was, that was a pretty frosting on the cake kind of situation. I mean, it's pretty downright amazing. You <laughs> sent me like, I'll, I'll clue everybody in on a little behind the scenes. You just sent me a picture via Instagram. Like you sent me a DM and it was a hand holding up your finisher is sort of like, it's like a plaque. Is it like, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like this little plaque and it says first place or yeah. First place female. 12 hour division. And then I was like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, you, we sort of exchanged some messages and then we ran through, cause I didn't know, like you just told me, yeah, I'm going to go run my 50 K in this, in this race. And I actually had knew, known some other people that were doing um, the 72 hours. So I was very mm-hmm. familiar with the race and I was sort of like tracking those people. And, um, then you sent me and you too. And then like, you sent me the thing and I was like, okay, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden <laughs> you populated the rest of the text with like, oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, not only did I like run 50 K, I actually ran 50 plus <laughs> miles and I got first place female. I'm like, OMG, like this is amazing. <laughs> it was fun. 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 It was fun
was quite a day for sure. I, you know, went into it with some goals and was able to meet him that day. So I just am am grateful for all the great prep because, you know, I know so much, uh, so many of the details that you don't see that, Mm. you know, go on behind the scenes. And so much of that came from the Run First 50K program. So that was great. Can you, and then are do you, you remember what you asked me when I finished my 50 miles? Oh, I think I asked you yes. Cause everybody asked, <laughs> this is like, cause everybody asks me this question. And so I was like, really, I really wanted to be able to turn it around and ask somebody else just to, you know, just, just for, just for shits and giggles. I think I asked you, could you turn around and go another 50? <laughs> I think what you said was, I'm going to ask you like a very coach question. Could you do uh-huh. another 50? And I said, I'm going to yes. give you a very like Megan answer, which was yes and no. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Which is because, so true. That is yeah. that's such a Megan answer. <laughs> I like at that moment, did I want to go run another 50 miles? No, I didn't. I was all set for that day, but that was because that's what I set out to do for that day. And I think if, well, I don't think I know if I had, if the goal was to run, you know, longer, there would have been different things that I would have done. I would have changed my clothes. I would have changed my shoes. I would have changed my socks, whatever. Um, and I didn't, I didn't do any of that because of, you know, the goals that I had for the 50, you know, 50 miles. So yes, I think there are, it's within reason that I could do another 50, but I didn't want to do it right that moment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, that has always been my response. I mean, people were asking me that after Tahoe, like, Oh, (laughs) do you want to do another one? Like another 200? And your your immediate (laughs) response is all no, because you're just coming off the back of it. And yes, even if it was an amazing experience, you're coming right off the back of it where you're like, wow, that was hard, you know, and, and rightfully so we don't want to be picking things that are so easy that we're like, Oh, pff, no problem. Yeah. You know? But I think it's like for, I asked you that question, obviously, because your goal is to do a hundred miles. And so yeah. when we talk about what are the, what are the, steps to get you from no ultras to a hundred miles, we definitely want to hit some of these milestones along the way, because there's just no substitute for getting a feel for what it's like to run that many miles. I mean, even in training, even in training for a hundred miles, um, like I would want to, to have you do these benchmark races so that you could understand Mm -hmm. that. And, and usually what happens is you never, when we talked about this in in a previous podcast episode, but like you don't typically go the distance before you go the distance. And so there's that little bit of unknown territory that you can't really plan for, but having done half of the distance now you can sort of see, okay, this is what I felt like coming off the back of this 50. Mm -hmm. What am I going to need to do to then double down and go another 50? Um, so I guess I'm curious because we haven't yeah. talked about this yet. Like, because you've done 50 miles now, what are your thoughts and feelings about how you'll tackle that second 50 when you get to ghost train? Yeah. Well, the, so the ghost train, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. is set up uh, as an out and back on a sort of rail trail style um, course. So you're seeing your primary aid station every 15 miles mm-hmm. and you have other aid stations along the way including one drop bag if you want it. Um, so it's similar in that I will be back to my starting point multiple times, but not certainly as frequently as I was for this race. So I certainly will have, I'll be having a pack and I'll, you know, the gear will be different. It's October. So the, the layers will be, 
you know, I guess you never know with, with that. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. crazy hot at that race, but um, you know, the, the layers will most likely be different. Certainly running at night through the night is not something I've ever done. So that that's going, I think that right now is, I think I have two things that are mentally taking up a lot of space for me right now. It's the nighttime running, which is not an area of comfort for me. So I have to just do it because how else am I going to get ready to do it? Yep. If I don't just do it. Yep. Uh, so that, and then I am having some gear issues that I didn't experience at all during my whole training cycle for, um, for the 50 K um, just like some chafing with uh, between my pack and my sports bra and mm-hmm. like to, uh, not, I guess it's not out of nowhere, but I didn't experience this at all during that training. And then now it's mm-hmm. gotten to the point where I, I've got to figure it out because um, I'm getting some pretty bad, bad chafing going on. And so, you know, is it, is it the pack? Do I need a new pack? Is it the sports bra? Do I need a different sports bra? What's the combination that's going to work? And mm-hmm. I'm seeing that time tick away. So I just want to make mm-hmm. sure that I, you know, <laughs> I said, well, I'll buy like all the packs and all the sports bras and then I'll see what combination works. But, um, it makes me nervous because I haven't had these issues all this time. And then to, to, I just did a long run this morning and when you, you know, that moment when you get in the shower and yep. it's, it's not a good, it's not a good one. And I don't generally feel it during the run. It's, yep. it's when it's too late that I, that I come to learn of these things. So I have a fear that that will present itself during ghost train. And I, mm-hmm. you know, will have to make choices then. Mm-hmm. So I want to get that buckle down before then so that I know that I'm setting myself up with gear that is the least likely to cause those issues for me. Um, the other thing that is, was sort of a disadvantage for you was that you didn't have to wear a pack for 50 miles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that sense for what it's like to carry the weight leading up to that, that distance. Now to your point, you know, ghost train is so well staffed in terms of where the, I mean, you're basically never going more than four miles without hitting an aid station, which is really nice, but you will probably want to carry a decent amount of stuff because, you know, it's just easier than having to stop every four miles. That, that sort of eats up time too. So if you're, you know, you have, I guess we should also give people the context. It's a 30 hour race. So you have 30 hours from the time the gun goes off to go as many, do as many laps as you want. Um, and it's totally doable to, to do a hundred miles in 30 hours, but you have to sort of think about the time efficiencies. And if you're going to stop every four miles to fill your bottles and, you know, then it, then it's going to eat up time over the course of those 30 hours. So you want to sort of think about how to be efficient there. So, um, I think, uh, you had asked me a question recently about the Solomon pack. Did you, what was your question? So I haven't purchased a new pack. I'm, I'm not sure if I want to just try a new pack or to try a new sports bar or to try both. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had asked you about the Solomon's. I think Mm -hmm. one of the issues I have with my pack is that there's, um, it has seams in the lower back. So then that the lower back is, is chafing. Um, so the Solomon packs look like they don't have those seams, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan no, is showing no me her seams. pack. No seams. Um, yeah, I'm, I think... I'm, sh- I'm showing in real time <laughs> on the video. We're, we're zooming this. Yes. Uh, um, there's and a there's... five liter and a 12 liter mm-hmm. women's version of that pack. So I, five liter feels like more than enough for my day-to-day stuff. But Mm-hmm. Then again, I'm like, well, if I'm just gonna, can I just cinch down the other one? Does it feel like a massive pack for your day to day? So, Mm-mm. 
No, I'll no. give you, and I, cause I do get a lot of pack questions. So, and I think it's helpful sometimes for people to hear these things. Cause yeah. you know, when you can't go to a place t- to your point, when you were, we were texting back and forth, like there's no place that I've ever been to no store yeah. where you can just see all the packs and try yeah. them on, which is like, I have this, this vision of like opening a pack store, running packs. <laughs> like, Here you are. Here's all your options. Yeah. Um, because there's so many, and there's so many, so many things. So for context, I used to run in the ultimate direction adventure Vesta, which I have loved indefinitely. Like that was my, um, the, the vest that I used for ragged and ghost train and, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of long distance races, but much like you, when I started to think about, okay, now I'm going to have to do 200 miles in this race vest. And plus I have to carry all of this mandatory gear. I had to start to think about what was the pack I was going to use. I originally ordered a couple ultimate direction, um, I'm blanking on what the name of the pack is, but oh, so Fast like Packer. Oh, okay. no, it was the Fast Packer. It was like a f- it technically for fast packing, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was going to be more than what I needed for Tahoe. And you know, I I got a little overzealous, like oh, I have to carry all this stuff. And then I was like, I have to carry all this stuff, <laughs> so <laughs> I needed to like pull it back because I, I actually never weighed my pack that I carried. I probably should have, but on second thought, I probably didn't want to know how much it weighed because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was probably upwards of like 10. If I had to guess, I would say it was probably like 10 pounds. Um, that's less than I would have thought. I mean, maybe it was more, yeah. I guess I should probably, I could do a little post mortem <laughs> on it and like fill it back up again yeah. with everything that I carried and put it on the scale. But, um, it felt like a hundred pounds by the time yeah. I was done. I had grooves yeah. in my, you oh. know, in my shoulders, but that was just the nature of the beast. Like anybody's yeah. going to have it. But what I want to say on, on this pack is the, uh, the Solomon, um, advanced skin 12, the women's version with mm-hmm. the two bottles that sit in the front that yeah. you can, that I used, but, um, you can adjust this thing so that it like, I'll wear it. Sometimes I wear it just to carry my phone and mm-hmm. like, all my, and like, you know, my headphones and stuff. Cause I just yeah. don't like sticking things in pockets and carrying yeah. things. And it's super comfortable and I can carry it with no bladder. Mm-hmm. It's meant to carry a one and a half liter yep. bladder, but I stuffed a two liter bladder in there mm-hmm. for Tahoe because I needed um, the extra water. And yeah. then it has two 500 milliliter flasks up front. So I technically yeah. had like three liters worth of water yeah. on me at all times at Tahoe. Um, and the reason I'm sort of painting this picture is because with the ultimate direction pack, I used to get a lot of rubbing on my, at the longer distances, I would mm-hmm. get a lot of rubbing on my low back yeah. and never, it never broke the skin, but it was highly uncomfortable. And with yeah. this pack, I wore it 200 miles. And the only thing that happened was that I just got the grooves in my shoulders from carrying yeah. it. Like, yeah. Um, and I carried it through heat and cold and, and yeah. sand and, you know, snow and like all this stuff. And it was super comfortable, um, and had no chafing issues whatsoever with it. So I would recommend it for, for ghost chain just because it's super comfortable. Yeah. And I wore, um, uh, you know, I just wore like a regular role. I, I wore the sports bras that were causing me problems with the old pack but just with this one, there's no, there aren't mm. as many hard touch points, so yeah. to speak. Um, and so just that, that friction issue wasn't happening. So if hopefully that helps with somebody's pack choice, I don't know. <laughs> it helps with mine. That's for sure. Because I, you know, you go, it's just like, there's just so many choices. It gets really overwhelming and I need to just order a bunch or just try them. 
um, and I return would. what to return what won't work. Um, yep. and, I would. and same thing totally. for some sports bras because I had what I thought was working really well, but recently it's been, uh, not good. And today's run was really quite not good. So mm-hmm. I need to, I need to dial that in because, uh, that's going to be a, sh- a game stopper. Um, I think the other thing I wanted to point out a little like trick that I learned during Tahoe was, um, Luco tape. Have we mm. talked about Luco tape before mm-hmm. you and me? I don't think so. Um, if it was closer, I would go get it and show you, but it's, um, <laughs> you can, you can order it basically anywhere. Some drugstores slash pharmacies might have it on hand, like some of the bigger ones, but, um, I just purchased it off Amazon, but it's super sticky tape that is similar to KT tape. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you put Luco tape on, you best not attempt to take it off mm-hmm. for a long time and or until you are in the shower. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, you could preemptively tape those spots that are going to chafe with yep. this to pr- proactively prevent it. Um, and or you could also just use KT tape. So I think depending yeah. on the level and the size of the spot, you could get away with doing either of those things. I would obviously suggest you practice that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Even just putting on um some K- some KT or Luco tape. It's super cheap too. So yeah. even if you buy it and then never use it, I think I want to say it was like eight bucks a roll. And it, the yeah. roll is quite substantial. You said it's double sticky sided? No, just no, one just sticky, one. Okay. Okay. Just one sticky side, but it is uber sticky. Yes, so gotcha. it's duct tape <laughs> level to the extreme. Yeah. Yep. So it's what I used on my feet at mm. for Tahoe and it worked really well, but the other part is and I'll give you this other um pro tip that was given to me by one of the medics at Tahoe. Her tip was to especially when it comes to feet, if you're going to use Luco tape on your feet specifically, tape them the night before and sleep mm-hmm. in them because it needs time to sort of bond mm-hmm. with your skin. Because what yeah. I was, what was happening for me was, and for those of you guys listening, I'm giving Sarah a visual, but like on the underside of my foot, just where my toes meet my foot, like the the pad, mm-hmm. the ball of my foot, I was getting just some a hot spot that I. Yeah potentially foresaw it turning into a very, you know, big blister. It never happened, but proactively one of the medics taped it. But what was happening was it didn't really have time to bond with my foot. And then all the running, it was sort of sliding back Mm -hmm. and forth. It also didn't help that I had trail toes pre-existing on my feet. And so even though we washed my feet and whatnot, I still needed the trail toes in between my toes. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a whole other, like, this is a very long convoluted story, but I tell it to you because it was a, it was a tip that I going forward, I would definitely test for longer distances because the stuff works amazing, but it just didn't have time to bond with my feet. So that is good. Just something to think about. Okay. So you're 60 days out from ghost train. You've run 50 miles. You've got a couple things that, you know, are sort of sticking out in your brain in terms of things that you're going to work on between now and then. Um, any, any, like any thoughts or any tips that, uh, you want to share with people that like are thinking about running their first ultra or even running a hundred miles? Cause you have a lot of experience now. (laughs) Well, not with a hundred yet, but getting there. 
I mean, we didn't really touch on it this time, but you know, go back to all the podcast episodes about the mobility stuff and the strength mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, we, we, I think we talked about this in our, our first go round, but um, mm-hmm. that was all new for me coming into ultras and um, it's been such a game changer. I'm, I'm apologizing if you're hearing, there's like massive thunderstorm at my house right now. So I don't it's know the massive thunderstorm it, but... that was actually just at my house. So oh. Sarah and I actually <laughs> don't live all that far apart, like as the crow flies. And it was quite a yeah. raging thunderstorm here. It was funny. Cause I, this is a tangent, but like, I almost sent you a message. Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to have internet because it like, you know, the house was rocking, yeah, like thunder yeah. was happening. I just heard the little bit of rolling thunder that's happening in the background at your yes. house. Now. So, apologies. It's not, uh, it's all it's, good. Looks like we're going to get through it, but, um, so now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, mobility. Um, yeah. Mobility, do mobility. Yeah. You should do that because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that was a whole new world for me and I have stuck with the daily shakedown. That's sort of, I mean, it's, I'm, I said, I'm a, Lifer now with that, and it's it's it makes such a huge difference. And that was not thunder; that was my dog. Oh, they're all scared. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hi, Cal. Um, it you know build it into the plan, the mobility and the strength. Mm. And you know, I Megan knows I, I like a I like a good color coded spreadsheet training plan. So it's built in there. I really try to make sure it doesn't get skipped. It's it's in the plan. It happens mm-hmm. and. Um, the fact that it doesn't have to be long is nice because sometimes it, you know, it feels like the day's going to get away from you, but just mm-hmm. grab that 15, 20 minutes and, and fit it in. It just does make a world of difference. I think it has made, it's like a whole new world for me in terms of like just how good my body feels. And we could go down another lane of talking about zone two and how that's yeah. my other special, special friend. I love, I love talking about that, but um, I, don't recall ever training for a road marathon and you know, I'd have generally one long run a week. And then the next day was the like recover from your long run day because mm-hmm. you just felt trashed and it hasn't felt that way coming through this ultra training, even doing the back-to-back long runs. It's like there were days that I looking, looking ahead, it's like, Oh, I've got, you know, 22 miles on Saturday and 11 on Sunday. That 11 is going to really, I'm just going to, That'll be good mindset practice because I'll feel like trash. But yep. then I actually feel great on Sunday, which is so counterintuitive to what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, learning how to manage zone two, which is still in process, certainly for me, but um, and sticking to that mobility and the strength. Um, I could be better about the strength. I will say that's that's the area that for me is the easiest to fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot mentally, it's a lot easier to skip or miss a 20 minute strength workout than it is to miss a run. It, mm-hmm. I don't know why they should, they should be the same. Um, so when things fall apart at the seams a little bit, it does feel like the strength is the thing that doesn't get checked off the list. So that's, that's an area that I'm constantly working on. Um, so I think for me, sometimes a little bit of a longer strength workout less frequently, you know, mm-hmm. if I just do it two or three times a week, but it's, 45 minutes to an hour, that feels like something I really shouldn't miss. So it's almost mm. easier because I've given it a little bit more weight in my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding whatever balance works for you, but you know, not neglecting those strength and mobility things because they really make a huge difference or have for me at least. And I know they have for you as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we could definitely go do a whole podcast episode just on going down the strength and mobility rabbit hole. I mean, as you know, it's like what I love to geek out over, but it really is. It's the thing that everybody, quote unquote, knows they need to do, hasn't, doesn't have the time for, but wishes they could run more and hurt less. And (laughs) it's, I'm like, but here, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing I'm, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And, and I get it. Like I, I was resistant to it for a long time too, but you sort of have to commit to the daily shakedown. You have to get over the hump of the resistance to adding it in because it's new, because it takes time, because you don't have tech, you don't think you have time. And, and I think what tends to happen, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what happened for me was I started to make it a priority and just do it, you know, five to 10 to 15 minutes. And then I just started to feel better all over. And it was just like, Oh, that doesn't hurt anymore. Oh, I can do (laughs) this thing pain-free or whatever it is. Like we all have our own little litmus test. And I was like, huh, I wonder what it is. And then I would go back and sort of do an internal audit. And I'm like, Oh, the only thing that's changed is that I've just added this little bit of mobility in and I've just spent a little bit more time and been a little bit more focused on choosing exercises and things that are going to support my body in a better way than just hammering down on all the miles all the time, no stretching, no recovery, none of that. It's, it's like, it's the compound effect, you know? I mean, we've talked about that, but for sure. Yes. Yes. It just, you know, put it, put it in in the the training plans that you offer, have it built right in, you know, put it in, make it, make it a priority in the same way with my PT that I did when I Mm -hmm. knew I, that's the priority to come off of this injury is that that has to happen first. And then some Mm -hmm. of the other things that are more fun can happen later, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. now the mobility and the strength is, is fun in its own way because I know how, how healthy it keeps me. And I think that just to sort of like segue here, that's the case for having a training plan, having a quote unquote on season, having an off season and being able to dedicate your time to these things instead of trying to mash everything into, you know, one box and try and get everything to fit when it really doesn't, there should be some specific times for specific things. Um, And that's really sort of my little soapbox speech about, yeah, have a training plan, have dedicated times where you're working on specific things because trying to, you can't, we talk about this all the time and run your first 50K, but you can't do all the things all the time. Like we have to have each workout needs an objective. Each phase of the training plan needs an objective. Like, you know, you have to, you have to be very objective focused. And if you have if you have too many things, there's too much noise. You don't know to your point, which one needs the attention. So I love that you sort of talked early on about like that your PT was your training and that you just focused on that because that was the linchpin to get you to where you are now to be able to do this big, scary goal that I'm super pumped about. And you're definitely <laughs> going to have to come back and tell us all about it. Ooh, tell yeah. us about the whole experience after Absolutely. it's, after it's it. done. Yeah. yeah. I love dissecting uh, long races like hundred milers because there's just so much that goes on. And I know that there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are, that do eventually have the goal of running a hundred miles. So the more mm-hmm. they can sort of hear you know, the ins and outs yeah. and, yeah. you know, ups and downs and left. I'm going to have and, to go back and listen to your, your, couple of ghost train episodes and your your mid-race voice memo situation which I think oh you've got to do some voice memos yeah I'll have to do that you've got to do some voice (laughs) even for my own you know (laughs) what did I say I'm kind of yeah I'm oddly looking forward to that 
that mental challenge of, of, of the, the darkness and the mm-hmm. <laughs> physically and mentally mm-hmm. of the darkness of just, some people know. love it and some people hate it. Like, yeah. I think once you have a taste of it, you'll be able to tell like whether yeah. you love it or hate it. And some people sort of hit that like friction point and they're like, forget this. I want yeah. no part of this. And some people like me are like, Hmm, how can we get some more of this? And like, <laughs> how can we make it harder? How can we like, how dark can it be? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> my eyes closed. Yeah. I, knowing that I like the whole, just set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Robotic way that I ran notch view, you know, I wonder if running with the headlamp and like, this is your sphere of view. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that will go well for me. We will, mm-hmm. we will find out. I have run at night with headlamp mm-hmm. um, and I have not loved it. So I just need to, you know, of course now that we're, it's summertime, but I am noticing that it's getting dark earlier mm-hmm. uh, around me here. So mm-hmm. it's going to be prime night running time pretty soon mm-hmm. here. So, yeah, it's funny. I have on my list of podcast episodes to do one about nighttime running because it's one of those things that like, especially women, we don't do often yeah. and definitely not by ourselves just as, you know, general rule of thumb. So yeah. it yeah. was one of my initial hurdles for ghost train as well. And, you know, you can, you will get to the point. Are you, are you planning on having pacers? <laughs> Yes. Uh, one of my, uh, it was my cousin who's going to be doing ghost train with me. He's, he's no longer going to be doing it. So I've lost one. Um, but I have a few other like semi committed, but I need to mm-hmm. really nail these people down a little, mm-hmm. a little closer. Um, yep. and then a few people on the fence with, um, injury. So they're either going to fall kind of one way or the other. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a little bit in the works, but doesn't feel nailed down for sure. Unfortunately yet. The what are you doing about, that weekend, by the way? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's funny because like I have a, I have a few friends that are going to run it. So um, uh, my plan was to be there and sort of like tangentially like crew people yeah, and yeah. maybe run for a little bit. I'm not back at the point where I could do, I could probably do a lap. I could probably do yeah. 15 miles, um, but I'm not, I'm not good for like 30 or 45 miles. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but um Oh, what I was going to say was the nice part is about ghost train. Again, you won't be alone, but overnight there will probably be stretches where there are longer stretches where you are by yourself just because the herd starts to thin out when people that are doing 30, 45, 60, you know, when they just decide that they're done, like either because they want to be done, like that, that was their goal or because they're just over it. Right. They've reached their limit. So there, there are some sections and, and periods of time when you are by yourself. But then again, the nice part is you're never four miles, you're never more than four miles from an aid station. Yeah. So I mean, to be perfectly honest, the I've done ghost train technically three times. I DNF'd at 75 miles the first time and did 200 miles there. I couldn't tell you the course. I mean, like, I know you just get on the, you get on the rail trail and you just run straight and there's like a couple turns, but like, I couldn't tell you the sequence of events, like, you know, specific, there's specific things like you know, like the, I mean, like the first road crossing and then where the tunnels are, where, where the tunnels are. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know like, oh yeah, the tunnels coming up, but like, you know, I've run with other people and they're like, oh, and this, then this. And I'm like, oh really? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just sort of, because you, you yeah. literally would have to try very hard or be very tired at night to get lost. Like I just sort of yeah. zoned out on yeah. that to your point and you just I just sort of put one foot in front of the other and ran on this path until I got to an aid station then I ran to the next one and then at that one I turned around and went back to the you know what I mean so (laughs) yeah it is sort of the same concept as Notch View it's just a different yeah 
like yeah. layout, but I do think you'll be able to take those skills that you built at Notchview and translate them into Ghost Train. So, so I'll be there. I will, I will, awesome, I will be awesome. there. I will see you. Uh, I'll I'm, look for I'm, the rooftop palace and I'll know that's I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to probably wrangle <laughs> the car away from Adam, <laughs> but yeah, I do like to set up, uh, I do like to set up base. We call it base camp because it's like, mm-hmm, we get, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of real estate and we can, you know, crew lots of people out of yeah, that tent. So yeah, cool. if you see us, very come cool. say hi. <laughs> of course, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll obviously be looking for you. So, um, any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom you want to share with people about running ultras so. or I mean, any anything in general? You've said the whole you don't you don't know if you can go the mm-hmm. distance till you do the distance, but you're not going to know if you can do the distance if you don't. Then go the distance. It's yep. you know, give it give it a go. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this not once but twice with me. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, really fingers crossed it's it's as lovely the second time as it was the first time, but maybe we can keep our fingers crossed that we don't have to do it again. <laughs> I know. Well, well, when I hit stop here, we're going to have to check the, re- I'll download the recordings and hopefully okay. it'll be a- appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise we'll just wait until after ghost train and there we'll we just go. do the whole kit and caboodle. There we'll we go. The, the whole thing. <laughs> yep. 50 K to 50 mile to hundred. Hopefully we'll just, yeah, it'll so. be an epic and epic podcast, but for yes. sure you're definitely going to have to come back and tell us all about your ghost train experience, however it shakes out, because I think it's important for everybody to hear, you know, just as many stories as they can about all these different races and lessons learned. And cause you always, you know, you always pick up little nuggets along the way. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks Sarah. And your dogs came to join us too, which is awesome. (laughs) They did. They are a little scared of the thunderstorm, but I think they mostly just wanted to join in. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. We always love dogs on the podcast. Well, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. Like I said before, she is such a good example of how anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Have a well thought out plan, show up every day, work the plan and do something that will get you closer to your desired outcome every single day, whether you feel like it or not. (laughs) And over time, that adds up to big things like planning to do your first 50K and then accidentally in air quotes running your first 50 miler and also placing first female in your division so congrats to Sarah she's amazing I just enjoyed all the time that I got to spend with her both in the run your first 50k program and having multiple podcast interviews with her so we don't have to do this a third time And I also just want to mention, like I talked about in episode 90, in order to do these things, you've got to believe hard, you guys. I mentioned how if you were able to get inside my brain while I was training for Tahoe 200, you would have thought I was certifiable. But it's okay because it's all in service of this bigger goal. You've got to believe before you see the results. And I think that's one of the things that is so hard for many people about ultra training. We want to see the evidence. We want to see the results. But for many of us, we have to work for a long time and be okay with not knowing the outcome until the day the thing happens, right? Sarah didn't know she was going to run 50 miles until the day it happened. So just show up, do the work, believe hard, believe in yourself, no matter what anyone else says or does or thinks or tells you, right? You've got this. You can do this. Now, in the course of this conversation, we mentioned the Run Your First 50K program 
And I want to let you know that applications for the program are open now, right now, right this very second. And the next round starts on Monday, September 26th. And if you're new to the show, I just want to give you a brief overview so that you know what it is that I'm talking about. It's a six-week group coaching program for women specifically that want to run their first 50K, but they're lost, confused, overwhelmed, don't know where to start. Um, this is the place for you. We we lay everything out for you from super to nuts, as they say, and teach you everything you need to know to show up on race day and just absolutely crush it. And Sarah just proves that point. Um, I've designed a 20 week training program um, so that you have ample time to train and that I give that to you inside the program. So ideally, if you're signing up for this next round, you've got at least 20 weeks ish uh, from now until the time of your race. Okay. So if you've got like a late fall slash winter 2022 race or an early spring 2023 race planned, now's the time to apply. Like this is the round that you want to get in on. Okay. And the way that you apply is by going to run your first 50 K.com. It's all one word. That's where you'll get program information and the link to go and apply. Just, um, I ask you a few questions, who you are, what you love to do, what you're most nervous or scared about, what's holding you back from running your first 50k, just some information that will help me help you better once you get into the program. And so I read every single application, I respond to every person that applies, and I really try to cultivate a group that's all sort of, you know, rowing in the same direction, like people of like mind, just basically a kick-ass group of women that all want to train for their first 50k together. All right. Now, if you're not quite at the point of being ready to apply for the program, totally get that. Don't forget that I have a bunch of other free resources that will help you to get started on your ultra journey. The first thing is the daily shakedown. Okay. This is something that you guys know has been super important for me to get rid of all my aches and pains and sciatic stuff that really held me back for a very long time. Uh, if you go to my website, you can download a free video that walks you through the process of doing this movement routine that I call a daily shakedown. And you don't have to have done yoga before or classify yourself as flexible. Okay. Like many people do this and have a lot of success with it who are just sort of your air quotes, average everyday person that just needs to move more. And I teach you how to do that. All right. So if you go to my website, Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N dash Gould, G-O-U-L-D.com up at the top, you'll see a header and it says daily shakedown. Just go there and that's where you'll get that. And then the next thing would be if you've sort of been doing the daily shakedown for a little bit, you're working your way up to training. I have a free 10 week ultra training plan. This is sort of the first 10 weeks of my signature 50 K training plan that outlines what to do, when to do it, including running strength training, mobility, all that jazz. And you can get that by also going to my website, megan-school.com forward slash the number 10 week plan, all one word right there. That's where you get that. Okay. So make use of those two things. You guys start to get into the habit of moving daily, having a plan, showing up every day, 
work the plan, do something every day. And this goes a long way, you guys. The compound effect is a real thing, right? Like everybody that you see having success with ultras, it comes because of the compound effect, doing something every single day. And last but not least, you guys may or may not know, but I am on a mission to help 10,000 women run their first 50K over the course of the next five years. So if something I have shared here on the podcast has helped you, if I have coached you, whether that's in person, online, if something I have done has helped you cross the finish line of your first 50K, I would love to hear about it and include you in the process of me hitting this goal. So if you go to my website, up at the top, you'll see a link for uh, 10K women at the top of the page. And this is where it's just a little survey. You can tell me all about your first 50K experience and be included in my 10,000 women project. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon. Oh, 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 oh,